This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav, and I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, our mission statement is to talk about 80s and 90s media. Trav, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good. A little bit tired. Owning a new house is uh, tiring, that's for sure. Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Owning a new house is very tiring. Uh, but exciting nonetheless, right? Oh, it's super exciting. I love it. How are you doing, Drew? I'm doing uh, the best I've done in a long time. I've been off work for an extended period of time. Um, which has been great to charge the batteries, charge the old batteries, you know what I mean? Yep. Just kind of I'm a little jealous. Check out from the day job. I go back in a couple of days and I'm already dreading it. I have the Sunday scaries and it's uh, mm. Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> already have the Sunday scaries, but I other hate than that, the Sunday scaries. Yeah, other than that, I'm great. I don't even remember where I heard that. I heard that on TV one time and I was like, that is the absolute best way to describe that feeling. Yes, Sunday night, the Sunday scaries. Yep. Um, so why don't we just get on into it here? We're going to talk a little video game right off the top of the show here. And, um, I decided to go with the top game rentals in the United States in 1996 since cable guy, your homework assignment takes place in 1996. There we go. So in the United States, the following games were the top video game rentals of each month, according to the video game software dealers association or the VSDA, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> and it's for all the platforms and stuff. And we're just going to cherry pick a couple of, couple of games out of this and just talk about them real quick stuff that we've played. Um, I first want to talk about Mortal Kombat two. So that's kind of a little bit late in Mortal Kombat two's, uh, release cycle, right? 1996 feels yeah. like it's been out. Um, it's appearing on the Sega Saturn. I can understand why, uh, that would be a top rental. Uh, in March, for no other reason besides it's March, I guess. But yeah, uh, makes sense. That was a fun game. I never got to play that on the Sega Saturn. Uh, uh, I've had very little experience with the Sega Saturn. How about you? Yeah, I think I've played some sort of 3D Sonic game, maybe. Yeah. Unless that was on Dreamcast. I can't remember. It was probably on both. That's true. But yeah, I didn't play much Sega Saturn at all. But I had this game on SNES. Oh, yeah, definitely a great game to have on the Super Nintendo or on the Sega Genesis. Um, I had a friend in high school that had a Saturn, the only guy I knew that had a Saturn, and he had three games for it. He had, I, I think it was Mist. I want to say Mist on the Sega Saturn, so you know that okay. click-and-point adventure game. Yep. Uh, he had the Sonic game, and then he also had Virtua Fighter, and that was yep. it. And so we played Virtua Fighter on his Sega Saturn when we'd be over there, and yep. that was about it. I just remember... Super duper long load times and hearing that uh, <laughs> CD drive just, you know, and just why going. wasn't that more popular? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> twice as expensive as the Super Nintendo and half the library, right? <laughs> yep. Um, in May, uh, Super Mario RPG, RPG, that was the top rental. And uh, we talked a little bit before the show started that that was a game that you had never played. I have never played. I need to get that game though because it's in a lot of top SNES lists out there. Yeah, it is, and it's rightly so. It's good, and um, I think it came out. Right towards the end of the SNES's life cycle, yeah, and absolutely. it still sold like crazy. Yeah. Yep, yep. It was a, it's it's a good game. Uh, I remember renting it and not really getting it as a kid in you know the mid '90s and kind of just bringing it back and being like, well, I don't think I'm going to be renting that one again. Uh, but I played it extensively on the NES Classic because it's one of the oh, pack-in sure. games on there, and it is a fun game. It totally holds up. It's a great game. It's Mario in an RPG. What what can't you? 
Yes. Well, can't you ask for more, right? So that's on the SNES Classic? Yeah. Uh, on the Nintendo Classic. Oh, on the Nintendo Classic. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, it'd be on the Super Nintendo Classic. I'm almost 100% sure it's on the Super Nintendo Classic because that's the only way I would have played it. I don't own it. So. Dang. Yeah. So you now, have it. Now I have no excuse because <laughs> I own it. <laughs> Um, lastly, let's just touch on Crash Bandicoot for the PlayStation. It's besides Tekken, it's like the biggest name for the PlayStation games for rentals in 1996. And it's a pure classic. Oh yeah. I think I maybe rented it once and then I went and bought it right away. Yep. Um, it may have actually been a pack in. No, it wasn't a pack in cause it was a greatest hits. I had the greatest hits, hits disc where it was the green one, you know, and said greatest yep. hits on the spine. So it was definitely not a pack in. I'm sure. I think it was included in some sort of like trial demo disc, and you got to play the first level hmm. or something like hmm. that. Yeah, that could very well be it too. Um, that's a great game, and it was uh, talking about the future a little bit now. Uh, when they did the trilogy re-release for the PlayStation Four, that was a great trilogy. Lots and lots of fun. Oh yeah. Lots and lots of fun. Working on the Platinum on the first game, and God, those time trial ones are next to impossible. The... I have one left to get the Platinum, <laughs> and I can't do it. Dang, dude, that is impressive, because Crash Bandicoot, the difficulty for me gets to a point where I just have to concentrate on finishing the levels. Yeah. It gets very hard, you know? It oh, gets yeah. very hard. It's a, it's a fun game, though. It's very rewarding once you do uh, finish those more difficult sections. Very true. Uh, yeah, there's lots of other games like NFL 1997, Madden NFL 97. That <laughs> yeah. was very, Woo-hoo. very popular. So I wasn't a big Madden guy then, and I'm still not a big Madden guy now. But yeah, sports games were always ultra popular on any system. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy to see that it's always been a thing, no yeah. matter how crappy the graphics were. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A uh, friend of mine, I think it might have been. Uh, Madden 94 for the 64, maybe it was 95 or 96, but we used to play that even like 10, 15 years ago. He would just hook up his 64 and we'd play it and we'd just exploit this pitch out. Oh, so sure. like I would be the running back and you would be the quarterback. And before he even hiked the ball, you'd send yourself in motion and you just go flying towards the sideline. And then he just pitch it to me and gone every time, <laughs> every touchdown, time. every time, oh, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Like <laughs> and so we would do that just to see how many points we could rack up in a game. <laughs> uh, definitely fun stuff. Definitely, definitely fun stuff. Um, I guess with uh, that talked about and out of the way, should we get on over to our homework review? Let's do it. And of course, we're talking about Cable Guy, June 14th, 1996. As we said in the last podcast, that's directed by Ben Stiller. Um, his directorial debut was in Reality Bites in 1992, so this was his second major motion picture. Okay. Um, written by Lou Holtz Jr., and this was, in fact, his one and only writing credit. So Interesting. Interestingly enough, on uh, the cast, the two, big, the two big players, Jim Carrey as Ernie Chip Douglas, the cable guy, and Matthew Broderick as Stephen M. Kovacs. Oh, Stephen. Oh, Stephen. <laughs> uh, so just quickly here, some, uh, some information, I guess. Um, I got this from uh, two cool articles on The Cable Guy, one written by Ben Sherlock for Screen Rant, and the other one written by uh, a guy called Mr. Wavy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was on Cult MTL. Um, so when Columbia Pictures purchased the script for $750,000 in 1994, they originally envisioned Saturday Night Live, Funny Man, Chris Farley starring in The Cable Guy. Okay, that's kind of funny to think about. Right, that's a completely different movie then, oh, right? Oh, completely different. Um, interestingly enough, Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller were both considered for the role. 
Oh wow! Yeah, isn't that it? That's it's crazy. Wait, I could wait. So Ben Stiller was considered for the role of his own movie he was directing. Correct. Oh okay. Yeah, <laughs> he right. would have starred and directed in Cable Guy. Oh man, that would have that would have taken away one of my favorite parts of the movie is that crime investigation <laughs> that he the in the background that, that he's part. in. Who could do that other than Ben Stiller? I could definitely have seen Ben Stiller playing the Cable Guy though. Yes, he could have done it. Definitely, he could have definitely yeah. done it. Um, so, uh, Farley was unavailable for this movie because of scheduling conflicts with black sheep. Oh, wow. So when he, uh, signed on to do, uh, uh, Tommy boy, it was a two picture deal. So he owed the studio another deal. Sure. Or another movie. So he couldn't star in the cable guy. So Crazy. that was that, you know, so that was that. So Carrie ended up. Uh, landing the role as the cable guy and received a record twenty million for the gig. Wow! Yeah, you know, that's a record for a comedy film. Twenty million dollars for this movie. I suppose this is after Dumb and Dumber, correct? And The Mask, correct? And at least the first Ace Ventura, correct? So yeah, he's definitely at a height in popularity. Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura all came out in the same year. Oh yeah, ninety four. <laughs> that's yeah, insane yeah, yeah. to think about. That really is insane. That's insane. So. There is pressure on Carrie in this movie, right? $20 million. Yeah. He's got the cachet of a major motion picture star now. Right. But That's I some pressure. To go, this goes without saying, he makes the movie. I mean, yes. without him, this movie is... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. So a little bit more on Lou Holtz, though. So the movie is actually inspired by an actual cable guy. Okay, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. So Lou Holtz was in, he was a prosecutor, excuse me, he was a prosecutor in LA and he saw a cable guy in his mother's apartment building late at night and wondered why the dude was there that late. So that is what inspired the cable guy. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And so according to Judd Apatow, who is a producer on this film, um, the original script written by Holtz was supposed to be way more lighthearted and a lot more like, what about Bob? Love that movie. Yeah, me too. So it would have been way more of a comedy, like a straight up comedy about a clingy friend as yeah. opposed to a dark, disturbing at times comedy. <laughs> yes, very disturbing. <laughs> um, it, it, another quick little fact here, Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann met on this film. That's how they met and they're married to this day. Crazy. Which uh, 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 Leslie Mann is a very attractive woman in this movie. Very attractive. She's a very I mean, attractive. She still is now. Yes, but, but yes. Dang, Leslie. <laughs> I, f- I forgot, honestly, until last episode when you said she was in this, that she was even in this, because I only think of her in Adam Sandler movies. Right. Right. Um, so, okay. So, I'm, real quick, how crazy would have that been if Adam Sandler had gotten the part for Cable Guy? That right. would just been one Sooner movie they it, were together. <laughs> it basically would have been, wouldn't it? Um, so, apparently, all right, in one of these articles, it says that the basketball scene... The ball was added in post production because Jim Carrey couldn't dribble, couldn't dribble the ball, let alone play the game. So Stiller told Carrey to just mimic the movements of dribbling and making baskets, and they'll add the ball in digitally in post production. That was what he said to Carrey. Oh my God! I don't believe it one bit. Because upon knowing this and then watching the movie, he okay. And when he comes into the scene, when he enters the scene with the two basketballs. He bounces them both, you know, from one hand to the other. Right. All right. And then the second time when he dunks off Rick's back, he dribbles twice. 
And it, the ball didn't look like CG at all to me. No, I wouldn't have guessed at all. Exactly. And those are the only two times that Carey dribbles the ball. No way was CGI that good back then. In 1996, CGI was not that good. There's it would have no looked, It would have looked like a giant orange, a shiny orange in his hand. Yeah. So I don't believe that one bit. So maybe Carey was really bad at dribbling a basketball. That's why there's so little of him actually doing that stuff. Right. He's not honestly even like... Uh, he's not honestly even handling the ball a whole heck of a lot in that scene at all. Yeah. So maybe there's something there to that, but I don't believe the CGI thing at all. Plus they're playing prison rules anyway, (laughs) so he doesn't even need to dribble. Uh, So one other funny scene that uh, kind of caught one of the actors off guard was the the chicken skin on the face, the Silence of the Lambs bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That was a impromptu thing by Carrie. So if you watch Broderick in that scene, you can see him break and yeah, genuinely laugh at which it. Which is always the best part of movies. Right. Uh, Carrie must really love that movie. Seriously. Because we've talked about this multiple times now. He, he does something to reference Silence of the Lambs in every movie he's in. It seems yeah, like. seriously. <laughs> he must absolutely adore this movie. Um, I did say that Apatow helped write this film and produce it. I might, have said, might not have said write it, but he did help write it. He didn't get a writer's credit from the Actors Guild. But he got a writing credit in the film's novelization. So at the time in 1996, 1997, you could have gone to the library and checked out the novel, The Cable Guy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) What a read. Did you ever read novelizations of movies? No. I used to read them occasionally and it's such a, like a weird thing to do. It's such a weird thing to do. I don't know why I would even do it. Just go watch the movie. Is it the movie turned into a book or like the screenplay or something? Well, sometimes it's a little bit of both. Sometimes they're a little different, but mostly it's just the movie turned into the book. Okay. So they're interesting to read, but kind of a thing of a bygone era. I don't I yeah. don't really see movie novelizations at bookstores. I guess I'm not really frequently frequenting very many bookstores. That's but. true. But yeah, I can only imagine 1996, here's little Drew. What are you reading, Drew? <laughs> the cable guy. <laughs> such a weird thing. Such and such a weird thing. But I would definitely love to see that book somewhere. I should have gone to eBay to see if I could purchase it. Yeah, seriously. Um I guess with all that out of the way, we can move on over to the breakdown of the movie. How's that sound, Trav? Let's do it. I'm excited to get to this movie. Thanks for the suggestion, Man Bear Pig, as always. Yeah, thank you, Man Bear Pig. So in the opening of this movie, you get that fuzzy CRT, right? And that is uh, so reminiscent for me of like my childhood watching TV. Definitely. Right? The the clicking between channels, even though his cable is broken at this time, but and the clicking between channels, all the trash TV, yeah, uh, the sweet trial that we mentioned a little yeah. bit ago, because, I mean, court TV was a big deal in the 90s, and trials were all over the news, all over TV, all the time. It, the nation was obsessed with the courtroom at the time. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed the shock TV, like seeing Ricky Lake and seeing Jerry Springer. It's just yep. like, man, I watched way too many of those shows in the summertime growing Definitely. up. There was no reason for me to watch them at all. Yeah, if there's one thing this movie does really well, it is put you in a nostalgic place of how important cable used to be in our lives right. as a kid. Not that it isn't now, but you don't think of it as cable with all the streaming things now. But it, man, do I miss when cable was the only option. Cable was the only option. And I kind of even had thoughts of like, 
it's it's a lot it's a, it's a similar thing to our current cell phones right right but it was sitting on a stand in your living room and you had to sit in front of it instead yeah. of bringing it with you yeah exactly cuz you got all your information from the TV yeah. all of your information <laughs> yeah. all of it uh, but in this opening scene we get introduced to our four main players Steven Robin Chip and Rick Jack Black Rick. which I enjoy Jack Black love Jack Black um so when he's getting in the shower now, because the cables the cables out, he's talked to Rick. He's like, "I'm waiting on the cable guy." Obvious homage to Ferris Bueller, right? Yeah. The way he pours, the, the way they do the shots on turning on the water to the shower head to him pouring the uh, the shampoo in his hand, yep. the way he even like scrubs his hair, and, and then right away, and then right away the door buzzes. But I could have sworn it looked like Matthew Broderick was going to break into Donka Shane in the shower. <laughs> I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. But he didn't do it. So I think that was an obvious homage to Ferris Bueller, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so yep, the doorbell. He is interrupted in that shower. I've never been interrupted as much to go to the door. If the doorbell rings when I'm in the shower, it's like uh, tough toolies, I guess. Right. All right. <laughs> but you're not waiting on the cable not guy. Not waiting on that cable guy. Um, we get to we get to meet Chip out there, right? Because he's buzzing that door, cable guy. <laughs> yep. um, and we get to meet Chip. Fin- uh, St- Stephen finally gets to the door, and Chip pretends to be very angry. He's probably actually very angry now that we know his, his right. deal after having watched the movie. Um, so he says, look who finally decided to show up. Uh, you were supposed to be here four hours ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, was I? So I'm the tardy one now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to go to that bed and bath place, and now it's closed. Well, maybe I shouldn't have come at all, jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that really sets a tone for the movie, right? That oh, yeah, really definitely. sets a tone. I enjoyed that quite well, a bit. Well, seriously, though, that's got to be one of my least favorite things. What is the point of complaining hindsight 2020? Like, <laughs> I was going to go here, but now I can't, but come in anyway. Like, I deal with that way too much at work. Oh man, and that line is met with stunned silence from Steven. Like he is like, "Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what?" And then just joking with you, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then starts the creepiness. And starts the creepiness. I enjoy the comic card, and uh, he asks him, "Does this go to your supervisor?" No, these go directly to me. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a perfectionist. Perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> Ah oh, man, he is just a total oddball caressing the wall until oh, he finds God. the until he finds the sweet spot. Yep. Um, and then, in straight up creepy fashion, we find out that Chip already knows about the breakup with Robin. Way creepy. <laughs> Way creepy. <laughs> Smells like heartbreak to me. <laughs> <laughs> Steven just wants that job done, and uh, the cable guy he says, "No sweat off my sack," which is a great <laughs> line. I absolutely love that line. It's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Chip gets the cable set up. He's working that remote like some sort of special ops operator or something, yeah, switching okay. everything up. Uh, and then we get to get some information about that Sam Sweet trial, um, which is a is a great B plot in this movie. Oh like, yeah, I really really love that part of this movie. So much. the twin actors played by Ben Stiller. Sam is accused of killing his brother Stan in cold blood. <laughs> the stars of the hit show Double Trouble, which is just a straight up piece out of my childhood with all those corny sitcoms that would run in the afternoon, like yeah. Facts of Life, for yeah. instance, right? Um, and then, you know, after the show ended, you get that classic 
uh, Sam and Stan child actor thing were falling into crime, going to a cult and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like just how stereotypical can you get with that type of stuff? Seriously. It's very funny. Very, very Hollywood. And then, like I said, it's a great B plot in this movie. I'm excited when the stuff, when they give us updates, I'm excited. Yeah. And thankfully enough, Stiller has the, the foresight to make it like it's, the scene and it's really part of the scene instead of just being in the background where you have to right. kind of pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. He's giving you information. Yeah. On it, definitely. Which is fun, which I really like. Um, interestingly enough, Chip has also rearranged, uh, Steven's apartment. <laughs> Who would ever do that? <laughs> which he leaves it like that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the yeah, that's weirdest how much thing. he cares about cable. Oh man. Um, and this is what I would consider Chip's first unwelcome gift to Steven was yeah. the rearranging of the apartment. Yes. That's his first unwelcome gift. Um, Chip's getting ready to leave, and then Steven asks Chip if he can get all the movie channels if uh, if he gives him 50 bucks. You ever heard of anybody doing anything like that? And then doesn't he say, that's illegal. <laughs> Chip gets very serious. You mean illegal cable? <laughs> <laughs> if convicted, you could face a fine of up to $5,000 or six months in the correctional facility. <laughs> <laughs> And Stephen just tells him to, to forget it. I don't want this. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it turns out Chip is joking again. I'm just jerking your chain. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. This guy. This guy is unhinged. That is uh, like red flags. Red flags. Super red, red flags. Red flags. Yeah. Red flags. Uh, but Chip gives Stephen his personal pager number. Man, he's going to regret taking he, that. <laughs> he is very much going to regret that. Never call the company. They just put you on hold. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the first shining bit of the way Chip can manipulate a situation. Yep. Uh, he tricks Steven into going out to the big satellite dish. Yeah. Uh, we should do that sometime, Steven says. Uh, how about tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's no good. What are you going to do? Sit around and stew about your ex? <laughs> and then that just gets silence from Steven, basically. So, yeah. uh, oh, I see I crossed the line. No, you didn't cross a line. I didn't. Cool. I'll pick it up at 630. Yeah, and just books <laughs> it uh, down the hallway. Like an excited child just yeah. running down the hallway. Yeah. I have a new friend. And now Steven is trapped. Trapped in Chip's net. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no getting out of this net. Uh, the next day, Chip arrives at Stephen in his, at Stephen's apartment in his fun bus, the cable van, yeah. which is a funny little line there. Um, and Stephen is just laying on the couch, wallowing in his own filth to some extent. Yeah. And he was going to call um, and order something off the TV. Have you ever ordered anything off the TV? No, I have not. <laughs> so for a period of time, I worked nights. So well, kind of the third shift. So I'd be done at like two three o'clock in the morning sure so i go home and the only thing on the tv at two three o'clock in the morning is infomercials right yep and after months of watching these infomercials every night after work every night after work or adult swim if it was still on when i would get home um, i decided i'm gonna do it i am going to buy something off the tv what'd you get i bought uh the ninja the, the little ninja. the bullet the ninja oh, bullet sure, sure, sure. <laughs> the ninja bullet blender <laughs> and it was a pos <laughs> and that's why you don't buy things off the tv <laughs> you don't buy things off the tv um but with chip honking outside on the curb steven reluctantly agrees to go along basically just through some gestures he's just like i'll go ahead okay i'll go um so they're going on they're going for a ride on the information superhighway 
Um, when they get to that satellite dish, dish, Chip is really excited to be there. Oh, yeah. Like, super duper excited to be there. Um, and he goes into this giant thing about it, and the best part about it is, you'll be able to play Mortal Kombat with your friend in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's an obviously practice speech that Chip has. He's just excited to have uh, Steven there with him. It is um, funny. He's kind of predicting the future, though. And a lot really of what is. he says he is right. He really is. He really is. Um, when they're lying in the satellite dish together, looking up at the Milky Way, um, we get a little bit of insight into Chip's childhood, including what was probably a savage beating at the hands of his father. I would assume. And probably the root cause of his lisp, yep, yep. which is super dark, and you shouldn't laugh at it, but I still laughed at it. I did still <laughs> laugh at it. Yep. Super dark, so you got me there, Mr. Stiller. It was funny and dark and disturbing all at the, all at the <laughs> same time. I enjoyed it. Um, but Chip springs into some relationship advice for Steven. Uh, when your love is truly giving, it will come back to you tenfold. Uh, that's incredibly insightful. I know. It was uh, Jerry Springer's final thought on Friday's show. Yeah. <laughs> so everything, everything about everything Chip's relates like, to Cable. Everything yeah. relates to Cable for And Chip. I like when he's talking about his dad, like, not being there for him as a kid. But the TV was always there. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. The TV is always there. It really was. <laughs> I enjoy the TV. Um, so... Chip brings Stephen home and gives him even more relationship advice. Uh, he tells Stephen to play hard to get and invite Robin over to watch Sleepless in Seattle because it's on cable. And women love that movie. Yep. Have you ever seen that movie? I've never seen I that movie. I have never seen that movie either. I bet the 20 seconds, probably less, that is in this movie yeah. is the most I've seen of <laughs> that yeah, movie. Definitely. That movie was not made for me in 1994 or 5 when it came out. Definitely nope. not for me. So I've never seen that movie. I, it, I don't know if it would hold up well at all. So I don't know if I'll ever watch ever. I don't know if I will ever watch that movie. Yeah, and it's funny now that you're saying that. I guess I didn't even pick that up, that he suggests that he has Robin over yep, to do that. He does. So that's why he's there ready later in the movie to foil that. Um. Yeah, that's exactly right, because yep. he knows that it's going to be in. That's a good. That's I didn't good. think of that. Uh, Stephen thanks Chip for the advice and says, I don't even know your name. It's Ernie Douglas, but my friends call me Chip. And the okay, look. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and I don't know if Matthew Broderick meant to, but he kind of fumbles for the handle in the door, too. And it's yeah. like, uh, uh, <laughs> nervous. <laughs> I did notice in the subsequent watch throughs that uh, the look on Chip's face seemingly makes it look like he's making that name up on the spot yes it, that's what i was like he's coming up with it right now isn't yep. he right now yep. but we get that great um goodbye it's um, <laughs> a great great line in this yeah. movie i absolutely love that one um this ends our broadcast <laughs> <laughs> Click. Uh, the next day steven meets robin and takes chip's advice verbatim he says exactly what chip said to him yep uh and it works um it's another Another little gift from Chip, right? So yep. that uh, that friend debt is racking up in yes, Chip's mind. That's what that's what's happening right now. Um, we get a little bit more of that Sam Sweet trial on MTV News. Uh, that's like the first time in a long time that I've seen that MTV News opening. And it was super nostalgic. Oh my god, just a blast from the oh, past. Yeah. Bum 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 bum. MTV News. Yeah, like, it's just like oh. And then uh, what was her name? Annika Sorenstein was. Yeah. I was like oh. These people that I haven't thought about in 20 right. years, maybe even longer. It's right. like, 
just put you right back in there, yep. just right back in there. And on top of that, I was. I, did you watch the Woodstock '99 documentary on Netflix? I have it in my list because I'm I'm ex- excited to watch it, but I have not get to it because all of that MTV stuff that's in there. Dang man, that is some hard hitting nostalgia. Yeah, trip down memory lane. <laughs> uh, it is kind of funny watching that. Like how much news I used to get from MTV. It just proves I watch way too much TV and not the real news. Well, and you shouldn't even say that because MTV News was really taken very seriously by most people and most news outlets. It I really should was. I say not your local news. Yes, I yes, didn't watch yes, the local news yes. with the weather. And yada, when it yada. came on a worldwide or national scale, MTV yeah. was just as reliable yeah. as any of the major outlets at yeah, the time. I kind of miss it. Yeah, it, it, was, it was fair and balanced to steal a phrase that I wish I had never said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in, in the Sam, the Sam sweet trial snippet we get, we get the 911 call. I think it was an Asian gang. (laughs) He looked Asian. (laughs) He was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was Asian. (laughs) Oh my God. Does that joke hold up? I mean, I laughed pretty hard at it, but I don't know if it holds up. I think it does because it's not making fun of Asians. It's making fun of Sam Sweet's idiocy. True. Because right before we get that, the uh, Annika Sorenstein, if I'm even saying that right, says, don't forget, he admitted to the murder two weeks after this confession. Oh, so okay. he admitted to the murder, but he made this claim initially. Sure, So sure. I think the joke holds up because it shows that Sam Sweet is a racist idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so true. I, th- I think I can make my case for it that way. But it, it was still really, really funny. And the way it, he presents it is just hilarious. <laughs> it's super funny. Well, how do you say Asian four times <laughs> in the description? Uh, uh, it's really absurd at how much this mirrors the Menendez brothers' trial. The way it looks, the way he's dressed, he looks like one of the brothers. Did you remember anything? The, I, it sounds familiar, but right. I do not remember. Two brothers that murdered their parents, and they tried to blame it on other people. They were eventually convicted, but it really mirrors the absurdity of that trial because they were incontrovertibly guilty. Like, it was so yeah. obvious, same, same right. kind of thing with this Sam Sure, Sweet sure. But now we get to see the crazy, crazy basketball game that we already uh, talked about a little bit. Yep. The premise of this scene is kind of weak for me because, one, it shows that Chip is definitely stalking Steven. Oh, yeah. And he had no control. Chip had no control over the injury of that player. So would he have just tried to have inserted himself into that game in some way or another? Right. It seems like super coincidental that they put a convention in the plot to allow Chip to come into the game where he should have just forced himself in the game. Yeah, that's true. He like should have made somebody sit out or something right, like that. Right. So, but uh, Chip volunteers to play, uh, but he makes sure he's on Steven's team. Yep, Steven's team. <laughs> I need Steven's team. <laughs> uh, the mouth guard was hilarious because oh, yeah. it was way too big for his mouth. Way too big. The wind sprints at the beginning hilarious oh my god that's the best part of it classic jim carrey comedy so i guess there's a couple other instances in this movie this could have been a way for them to work some physical comedy into the movie because in 1996 that's what you expect from a jim carrey movie is some physical comedy yeah yeah so it's one of the instances of that i think steven says are you any good meet me under the board you'll find (laughs) out (laughs) 
let's get it on. <laughs> um, so then he, you know, he accuses Rick of traveling and he says, oh, I see we're playing prison rules, huh? <laughs> and he's setting picks and he's throwing elbows. He's diving for the loose balls and finally dunking by jumping off Rick's back and shattering the backboard. Yep. yep. <laughs> I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing your friends, Steven. <laughs> Which, I mean, you could still play half court. I mean, I don't see the reason they have to stop the game, but it just, it works that way. It did. I think they were only playing half court and the gym was empty besides them. So they could have just gone down to the other yeah, side. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then Steven kind of grows a backbone at this point and tells Chip that he ruined the game and that he's going home and said, I don't want to talk to you anymore, basically. The first time in the movie so far he has yes. a backbone. Yes. yes, the first time and one of the few times he has any type of backbone. Yes. Um, he gets back to, Steven gets back to his apartment and he's got 11 new messages at, on his answering machine. We already did, talked about an answering machine in a previous episode, so I'm not going to go into that again. <laughs> go to the internet if you don't know what an answering machine is. Yes. Um, nine of them are from Chip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One from the mom, and then I think it's actually 10 from Chip. Is it all 10 from Chip? Yeah, oh, it's my one goodness. from the mom and then 10 in a row. Uh, Steven seems weirded out and worried, which who wouldn't who be? Who <laughs> wouldn't be, yeah, especially after when he left. He said, oh, that's fine. I got stuff to do with the house anyway. But then he calls him 10 times? I was just blow-drying my hair, and I thought I heard the phone rings. Yeah. All right, see you later. <laughs> And that last message is just Chip saying, oh, (laughs) (laughs) and then Robin is at the door. So what does that mean? That means Chip is staking out his apartment, (laughs) which we find out later that he must have been at the top of a telephone pole because he's got that little phone that he can tap directly into the phone lines. with. So I guarantee you he was just up there all night Um, with Robin in the apartment. Things are going well. But the cable is out. Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> no sleepless in Seattle for them. Yep. Uh, so it's time to page Chip, I guess, right? What yep. else is he going to do? No other option. Uh, Chip is already there. Of course he is. At the door. That's <laughs> yeah. weird. That was fast. Because uh, he knocked out the cable. <laughs> yeah. Chip immediately starts throwing a guilt trip on Steven for not calling him. Steven acquiesces and agrees to hang out with Chip. Chip flips a simple switch and <laughs> the cable is back. Yep. Uh, and, and then he gives uh, Stephen a little bit more advice for Robin. Don't, don't touch her. Don't even kiss her. Yeah. Because you'll get a little, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so they get their movie. Uh, I don't think there's any sexy time because uh, Stephen seems to be following Chip's advice. Yep. Which I don't understand why. Maybe because it's working. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but we do get to see that Chip is watching the movie right along with them in his cable van. Yikes. <laughs> we get another snippet of Chip or of uh, Chip's childhood. Uh, TV raised him, and he had a very non-present mother. Yes. Uh, the mother was played by Kathy Griffin, interestingly enough. That's funny. I thought for a second that it might have been uh, Ben Stiller in drag, uh, yeah. but uh, I looked it up, and it was Kathy Griffin. Yep. Sorry, Kathy, if Sorry, you're listening. Kathy. <laughs> we know you're listening. <laughs> Yeah, she's an avid listener of the show, I'm yep. sure. Um, but then we get to go some of the the best uh, scenage of the whole movie. We're over here at Medieval Times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely enjoy that stuff. Only the finest restaurant in town. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, less than enth- enthusiastic Janine Garofalo is amazing. Oh, she yeah, is definitely. so funny. Uh, did you know she has no cell phone, no computer? She doesn't have a home phone number. She lives in an apartment in New York City, and she just goes and does clubs in New York. Like, she'll be 
fourth or fifth in line at an open mic night, and she just does comedy. That's crazy. That's what she does. That's what she wants to do. She's not on social media. She's not anywhere like that. She That's kind of cool. She's living off the grid. That is being devoted to the bit and wanting to be an artist, I think, you know, yeah, and really wanting sure. to concentrate on being who she is and what she wants to be, Yeah, which is pretty dang cool. She's hilarious in this movie. She looks so goth and so 1996. It's yeah. just amazing. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. She has no time for Chip's BS. That is for sure. Yep. Um, but now it's time for the greatest action sequence in this movie's history. <laughs> <laughs> Two noblemen will now battle to the death to resolve grievances. So not surprising. It's time for Chip and Steven to duke it out. <laughs> is this normal? <laughs> no, it's not. I give the knights free cable. <laughs> Uh, Chip is definitely taking this very seriously. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very seriously. <laughs> Luckily for Steven, he's able to hold his own at first, but uh, Chip gives him the old uh, fake leg cramp, right? And gets a cheap shot on yep. him. Yep. <laughs> Lures him right in and bang, does he punch him? Hit him with the shield or hit him with that mace on a stick? I think he hits him with the shield. Yeah. I think the, he hits him yep. with the shield. Um, Steven and Chip go blow for blow for a little while longer and until it's time to play rough. And now they're fighting American Gladiator style with those pugil sticks. Yep. And one end does have like a giant blade on it. Yeah. Which is surprisingly sharp for a family restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> um, I really liked the homage to, well, it wasn't an homage. It was like a direct ripoff. Not not ripoff. It was a like almost scene for scene fight. for. It was almost a scene for scene take on the famous Spock and Captain Kirk fight to the death. Have you ever seen that or I, seen it referenced? I've never seen it, but I mean, he's talking yes. Star Trek the whole time. Yes. So. I, and, and that was another thing I noticed. He does the Silence of the Lambs in a lot of movies. Yep. He also does the Shatner yes. in multiple movies. His Shatner is very good. Yeah. Uh, so that was, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was very funny. Um, but after that gets taken care of and he gets uh, Stephen... Like, I really thought he was going to hurt Steven when he was swinging that axe at him at oh, the yeah. end. <laughs> oh, yeah. Luckily, took him out at the feet. But yep. now it's time for the jousting, and they can both ride horses. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That makes sense. Uh, even the king, played by Andy Dick, seems worried. Buddy, get on the freaking horse. I don't think he's kidding. <laughs> uh, Steven does manage to knock Chip off the horse. Um, do you think Chip let him win? Probably. Probably. Steven looks really happy. Yeah. Like he looks like he's having fun. Yeah. So maybe this is another gift from uh gift from Chip. That's and I, a, a I wonder if Andy Dick's nervousness is because they've all dealt with Ernie to this point and he got them quote unquote free cable and they've maybe escaped his grasp but got out of his net and they don't want to go back in. Like, I don't think they're out of the net, but I think you're 100% right that they are dealing with similar things where right, they're just right. trying to keep him happy. Yeah. They're doing whatever they whatever he says so that they don't face the wrath yeah, of thanks Chip. Thanks to the cable. Nope, still not free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now with Chip and Chip. Chip. <laughs> Chip. <laughs> Chip and Steven back at Steven's apartment. We get to see the home, the home theater set up, which is yet another gift from Chip. Yep. Um, like I said before, Chip's creating a friend debt, um, in the eyes of, in the eyes of Chip, Steven now owes him his friendship basically by giving him gifts. Right. Um, it's obvious that we touched on it a little bit, just a couple sentences ago, uh, that Chip is using 
his manipulative abilities on other preferred customers right. to get stuff for other people yep. and do stuff for other people. It's kind of like a giant uh, Ponzi scheme almost, yeah, right? Definitely. Like it's, that's kind of what it is, kind of what it feels like. Um, but Chip has also entered Steven's apartment without Steven there. Yeah. <laughs> you got into my house when I wasn't home? Well, how else is I supposed to get this stuff in here? By osmosis? <laughs> <laughs> and Steven's thinking, you aren't supposed to get this <laughs> exactly. stuff in Exactly. He does, because Steven doesn't want any of that stuff. Right, right. And rightly so, it turns out. Yeah, rightly so. Um, Chip says he'll get the stuff out by the weekend. Uh, the next day, Chip calls Steven at his office and poses as, Ro- as Robin because that's the only way yeah. that, you know. I knew that'd get through to you. <laughs> and again, promises to have the hi-fi equipment out by the weekend. But Chip's got a bigger idea ready to go for Steven. And that is a karaoke party. Let's break the cherry on that karaoke machine. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow night, a karaoke jam, your place. No ifs, ands, or buts. Well, maybe a few butts. <laughs> Big ones. Big ones. <laughs> it's a great line. I hope that was ad lib for some reason or another, because that's just a great line. That I think that's like hilarious. a very Jim Carrey ad lib. It really does. Now we get to move on to the party, and the party's uh, kind of a big deal. You know, it's a uh, sets a big piece for the ending of the film, really. American woman. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's hilarious. That is pretty dang good. Uh, Steven's on the phone with Robin. Uh, Robin's going out on a date, and that put poor Steven in the dumps. Yes, But Chip did. is there, and he heard the conversation. Uh, this is just a sign you need to get, get out and live a little. Uh, Steven agrees and hands Chip uh, a self-help tape. Uh, to help with the chip's lip, lisp, chip's lisp, chip's lisp. <laughs> yeah, and normally I would assume that'd be offensive to somebody, but not to chip. Not to chip, he's, especially if he's breaking down. Especially for how badly he took it when they're at the satellite dish. Yeah, exactly. But now chip, think, go ahead. Now he thinks uh, he actually cares about Exactly. Him. He Steven gives a crap, so. Exactly. And uh, it seems like they're becoming good friends. Yeah. Like. Why are you doing this to yourself, Stephen? There have been many, many red flags. You've like kicked him out of your life twice already. Yeah. And now you're giving him gifts? Yeah. That just shows uh, Chip's manipulative abilities. Talking to your brother about this guy. <laughs> exactly. This, uh... Exactly. But now we get to meet Heather. Heather. <laughs> She's on you like a lampshade. <laughs> <laughs> I'd strike where the iron is hot if I was you. He who hesitates masturbates. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather is obviously D2P. That is for sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> but we get to see Rick and he's kind of a, um, a moment of uh, reasoning for us, even as for the audience sake, because we as the audience can see that all of this stuff is not adding up to be good for Steven. Yeah. And Rick is able to express those feelings for us. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, Rick is there to express those feelings for us. And he's the only one, he's the only one in the whole movie that even thinks anything, anything about yeah. it that is bad. <laughs> Which is incredibly weird. But again, if, if he's given enough free cable to enough people, enough people know to keep him at phase distance or whatever. Probably, right? Probably. Uh, but now it's time for one of the better parts of the whole movie. We get to see Chip's karaoke performance as requested by the police officer at the party. Amazing. <laughs> and is he singing in this scene? So I think he I think the what we hear is him singing, but I don't think it's what was recorded. 
when they did the scene. Right. I think so it's a recut. It's of him singing, but he's kind of uh, mouth syncing or whatever. You so he probably sang it. Yeah. And then they had to go back in production and he probably was watching the movie sure. while he sang it again. Okay, yeah. To try to match the Jazz scene as much. Because he matched it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does a really good Gray Slick impression. Yeah, which he is does. I really enjoyed the, the vibrato. <laughs> That's my favorite part with the throat. <laughs> so I wonder... I wonder if he was doing that when he recorded it the whole time because yeah, he holds yeah. that the whole time. <laughs> so I wonder with the finger on the throat because you can't see what I'm doing, dear listener. <laughs> I can see. Yes, you can. <laughs> and it's another opportunity for Carrie to do some more physical humor, which is always a nice break. And it's straight comedy. There's nothing like you have to look into it all. It's straight comedy. Yeah. So you can laugh at it without thinking like, should I laugh at this? Yeah. <laughs> which is never really a bad thing, but it's also nice to just be able to laugh at it. And now thinking about the people that are at the party, you said this is the cop's request. I think that cop is a security guard in Silence of the Lambs. Really? We're going to have to, I don't know when Silence of the Lambs came out. but if Before that, this movie. I think it came out in 1992. So I might it's, be wrong it's in our 20-year range yes, we can it do is. movies. Perfect. Yes, we Because when we do that, that's going to be hilarious if that's the same cop. He's yes. like, you got to come work with me on here because I, I love that movie. <laughs> it could be. And if we do that episode, it will be rated R. Rated R. <laughs> Hide your kids. Uh, the, one of the funnier things about that, too, is everybody in the party is so into his performance. Oh, yeah. Like, so they all love him it. so much. <laughs> right. I, oh, my goodness. But then we get to see Stephen and Heather have moved into the bedroom. And Stephen is getting a very sensual face massage. Very sensual <laughs> face massage. <laughs> that is the weirdest. Like watching that again and again, I'm like, I don't, I don't get this part. Like, were you Matthew Broderick not in? Matt was Matthew Broderick not into doing something more physical? He must not have been. Was it for ratings purposes? That that probably makes the most sense. It could be both, right? Yeah. Um, but Chip gets that picture. They're not even kissing. She's just rubbing his face in the picture. Yep. Uh, but uh, that's a blackmail Polaroid right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they bang because, you know, the next morning we find out that they banged. Obviously, <laughs> head caressing and facial massages leads to banging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't see where else it would go. <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> not going to go watch Sleepless in Seattle, that's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. Speaking of, the next morning, we get to see Ren and Stimpy on the TV. Oh, man. That is so great to come after we've already done that episode. Yeah, I love and it. And I like that it's just the most random part, and he's dying laughing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> But yeah. it's still just the most random part. Yeah. Um, I tried to figure out what episode it was. I couldn't figure it out. I researched it for all of five minutes, so I didn't really yeah. look into it all that much. But um, that's also one of the best scenes. I love that he's... Stayed overnight at Stevens. Yeah, he's making his food. Yeah, bacon and eggs, and he puts the tiniest little <laughs> yes. bit of eggs on Stevens' plate, and all the rest on his, and yes. he's just scarfing it down. Yes, right away. it's probably the only way he eats. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we find out at that breakfast table that Heather is a prostitute. 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 <laughs> it was my treat. You know, I buy this one. I buy this time. You buy next time. That was terrible. I buy this time. You buy next time. What do you mean, your treat? <laughs> Don't worry, she's clean. I tried her out last week. I'm as healthy as a horse. Yeah. Not uh, a drip. <laughs> <laughs> that was too much. That was way too much. It's a great line, though. It's great, I love but... that line. And Stephen is devastated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Robin cannot find out 
Um, and this was the last straw for Steven. Get out of my house. And then as, as I want to call him Kip, Chip, 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 uh, as Chip is getting forced out of the house, you know, he says, uh, why are you doing this, Steven? We were having breakfast. That made you scramby eggs. <laughs> scramby eggs. <laughs> he even tries to walk back in and Steven has to force him out again, which yeah. is really funny. Uh, with Chip kicked out of Steven's apartment. Uh, do you think Steven is, uh, do you think Steven thinks that he is rid of Chip? If he does, it just kind of proves how dumb he is in this movie. Agreed. There's, there's just no way he thinks he's actually done with him. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Like, maybe he believes in his head he can keep him at a distance now, but he's got to know deep down this guy is definitely stalking me. It, yes. It's not over. It's, I, I would, I would think that you would have to move. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah, seriously. Honestly. Change your uh, number, your cable provider, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and as quickly as that scene ends, we are then all of a sudden at the restaurant where Robin is on the date with Owen Wilson. Uh, and Chip in disguise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was confused at the time when they when this came about in this movie. Not the first time I watched, but the second time I watched it, I'm like, wait a second. She was going out on a date last night. Why is she going out on this date now? Like, right. this seems weird. I don't understand why it's now instead of before or why it wasn't interspersed within the party scenes, yeah. you know, to see that they're both going on. Obviously, you can't do that because Chip needs to be there. I suppose. But it was just kind of weird. But upon rewatching, you hear Owen Wilson's character. He's credited as Robin's date in the yeah, movie. That's yep. all it is. He says, I apologize for yesterday. I came home from the gym and fell asleep. Oh, okay. So I didn't even catch that. Now, they okay. missed the date. This is the next day. Sure, sure. Uh, so anyway, Chip has bribed the bathroom attendant to take a break. What do you think the bathroom attendant thought Chip was going to do? I, apparently $20 is enough to not care. Apparently not. I was surprised. I mean, it is 96, but geez, 20 bucks. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm out, out of here. here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe he thought Chip was going to do a whole bunch of drugs. Yeah. I, I don't I, know. I, I I, it was just such a weird thing. I was like, ah, I would have been like, what are you going to do, buddy? <laughs> yeah. And how funny is it Owen Wilson being like the preppy, like good looking date in yeah. a movie? I just think it's funny. It is very funny. Um, so Robin's date, he seems like a giant jerk and kind of oh, a sleazeball, yeah. right? Total douchebag. Um, the harassing the waiter, like that's yeah. just insane. You'd think that would be like red flag enough for, uh, Robin to be like, yeah, this date is over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the first time he does it. But then when he pretends to care, she starts talking and three <laughs> words later is like, all right, I got to hit the head. I care what you're saying. I want to hear it. And then he leaves and says, what's up with that chicken? 20 seconds later. <laughs> I mean, I would if I was Robin, I'm out of there right there when he goes to the bathroom. Exactly. Right? See you later. But luckily Robin's for, date. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily for Chip, he had to go to the bathroom. Because yeah. how, I mean, how was he going to lure him into the bathroom? For what reason? He just had to go to the bathroom. Right. Great timing. Great timing. Um, and he gets his ass kicked. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, <laughs> he definitely gets his ass kicked. He never fights back except for throwing one punch. And he totally misses, and then he gets a couple kidney shots before the <laughs> right. air dryer in the mouth. Uh, there was a couple of times I thought Owen Wilson was going to break. Like, I thought he was going to laugh. Yeah. Uh, when he was rubbing the aftershave yes. all over his head, it looked like Owen was trying to, like, duck his face down so yeah. he wouldn't look like he was Both smiling. Both times I watched that, I was waiting for him to start smirking, but he held a straight face. That he, was pretty he amazing. Did. He did. 
Um, but sucking on that blow dryer, man, that looked gross. And that I'm, looked I, disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. How in, like that would be an embarrassing thing to do in a movie, like on a set. Like, yeah, that's just a weird thing to do. I guess you're getting paid probably millions of dollars. So I yeah, suppose. I'll put my mouth on that thing. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but after all that, we get the back with Stephen, and we see him eating cookie dough and watching TV. So that's gross and unsanitary. But yeah, I can't yeah. say I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely can't say I've never done that. Luckily, now you can easily get edible cookie dough. Exactly. That was a real risk in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> you could end up with the trots. For sure. <laughs> um, but we get to see uh, uh, the news is reporting on uh, Robin's date getting beaten up in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And there's a very, very convincing artist rendering of the suspect. And Steven seems to recognize Chip. But like, just kind of brushes it off, like yeah, ah, it can't yeah. be him. I like that. That's kind of reminiscent of the Dumb and Dumber scene too, like yeah, the after the fact showing yeah. Billy and Forcey or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I thought that was great. It really is. It really is. That's a a good theme. Um, but then we get to see more about the sweet trial because there's already a made-for-TV movie about it, starring Eric Roberts. Yep. Um, what was the name of this thing? I got it here written down. Uh, Brother Sweet Brother, The Killing of Stanton Sweet, <laughs> played by Eric Roberts. Uh, That's a good movie, boys. <laughs> thank you. Um, Made-for-TV movies were super-duper 90s. Oh, yeah. Did they? I don't remember. I, I can't think of anybody being like, did you see that made-for-TV movie or that miniseries on, yeah. uh, on NBC last week? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no way. For me in my household, the Stephen King ones were really big. Sure. Were really big in my household. Like The Stand and The Langoliers. The Langoliers especially was one that I remember uh, waking up. It was past my bedtime. And uh, just a quick synopsis. So spoiler alert about the Langoliers. These, These people in an airplane get transported into like a parallel dimension, which is kind of like an after image. So it's kind of in the past. And so... In the universe, there's these giant mouth-eating meatball things that are humongous that like eat the past to get <laughs> to get rid of it. Yeah, and they're trapped in this past, and so they're trying to figure out how to get out of this past back into the present before the Langoliers eat them all. And uh, I woke up in the minute to go back to what I was saying. I woke up, went out to the living room because I couldn't sleep, and it was right at like the apex of the movie, and all these like. 1990 what is it 1995 cgi for tv cgi meatball monster things were eating everything scared me half to death oh i'm sure i'm <laughs> I sure can, i can still see it in my mind i have <laughs> i have watched the langoliers uh since then sure uh but uh it, it's just as bad as you would expect it to be for oh, being yeah. a 1995 miniseries but I still like it. So I recommend the Langoliers and the 1994 uh, Stand miniseries. It is really, really great. Rob Lowe's in that one. I think I've talked oh, about nice. it before. I've heard a lot of good things about the Stand. And Tommy Knockers to a lesser extent, but the 1990 It miniseries is, is very good. I also recommend that one. Um, but we got uh, Robin at Robin's apartment. Chip is trying to get un- in under the false pretenses of free cable gifted by Steven. Yeah. He's super annoyed that she's not just letting him in. Which, good for her, single woman living by herself, shouldn't just be letting any Tom, Dick, or Harry into her apartment. Right, (laughs) right. I'm surprised that she did anyways. Nowadays, somebody comes knocking on your door saying, I want to come into your house. You'd probably say, hmm, I don't think so. Yeah, no matter what it was. (laughs) But it's funny that cable was such a big deal (laughs) when this was out. I mean, if it's free cable, then sure, I guess. The rainbow package. (laughs) 
Robin does let Chip in and he gets to do a little spying and manipulating. Yep. He ends up cooking up a story to push Robin and Steven back together. Yet another unwanted gift. Well, it's wanted gift from Steven, yeah. but it's also like a, a manipulative thing for yeah. Chip to he do. He doesn't want the tallies to keep going. Exactly, right? exactly. Promise me you'll never go never go bungee jumping in Mexico. They just don't have the regulations. <laughs> <laughs> And Chip leaves, and it seems that Robin calls Stephen immediately as yeah. soon as Chip leaves, right? Yep. And during the call, Stephen has no idea what Robin is saying yeah. until she brings up the cable, which she just says it. But you gave me free cable. That was very convenient for Stephen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but Stephen figures out what's going on, that Chip is behind this. Right. But he's not afraid to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. Which he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. Yes. Right. He should have just been like, this is that chip, dude. Yeah. I didn't do this. He's nuts. Yeah. He <laughs> has been stalking me. You need to get out of that apartment. But exactly. now he's just like, yeah, you let him into your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. But like I said, he's got no problem taking advantage of Chip's kindness in air quotes. Yep. Uh, by the time the call concludes, Stephen is feeling like he and Robin will be getting back together. Uh, Stephen, however, was supposed to go to a concert with Rick. Um, he was wearing a Soundgarden shirt, right? Is that I think what? So, yeah, yes. yeah. So that would have been a cool show. Yeah. To go see Soundgarden in 1996, that would have been fun. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not like a huge diehard fan, but I'm a fan of Soundgarden. Why yeah. not, right? Um, he Stephen's gonna flake out on Rick, and Rick is not happy about it. You always do this to me. Come on, give me a break. Blah right, blah blah. blah. Right. But Rick's a good dude because he still gives Stephen a ride home to his apartment, which yep. is very weird. Yes. <laughs> You can find somebody else to go with you, right? Yeah, maybe I'll ask my cable guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now the movie is definitely turning to a darker side. Yes, it's getting Uh, very dark. It's the first scene where it's raining. It's raining profusely, which is, you know, a cinematic device to show that things are going to go wrong. You know, it makes you feel like stuff's not going to happen right and stuff like that. Because that's a good use of the rain in the movie. Uh, Chip confronts Stephen. Chip tells Stephen that it was him that was responsible for getting uh, Stephen and back to Stephen and Robin back together through the free cable, because uh, free cable is the ultimate aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> At least in 1996. Yeah, for sure. Um, Stephen doesn't want Chip messing around in his life anymore. You're a very nice guy, but I just don't have any room left in my life for a new friend. So what are you trying to say? <laughs> I don't want to be. Your friend. I appreciate your honesty. You're a real street shooter. So you're all right? Hey, I'm a big boy. (laughs) Chip is obviously not all right. Chip is not all right in more ways than one. Uh, Chip has gone officially from friend to foe at this point. Yep. Um, And whether... I, I feel like Chip was setting up this plan to take down Steven the whole time. Just in case he needed it, right? Yeah. So as soon as this happened, he's able to enact like the first part of his plan. Yep. Just as soon as it. So he's on the phone with Robin the next day. Yep. And he's planting seeds of doubt. Just oh, yeah. to make Steven seem like the crazy one. Right. Have you ever seen the game? No. Okay. It's kind of a similar thing. This ultra rich uh, dude gets put in this giant situation where he's belie- he's led to believe that he's being chased and he's going to be killed. Spoiler alert, turns out to be a big game. Oh, okay. So it's kind of kind of has those feelings because everybody yeah. turns against him, all that type of stuff. Um, but Chip says 
does Steven seem, has Steven seemed a little off to you? And Robin says, no, mm-hmm. but, uh, Chip says, well, maybe I'm just being a little nervous Nelly or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. At least. Um, but then obviously the next step is to have Steven arrested at his work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> By the police officer that was at the karaoke jam. Yeah. Um, Steven's in jail now and we find out that there is no Chip Douglas. Dun, 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 dun. Who would have guessed? <laughs> um, they can't get bail. So Chip's going to, or uh, Steven's going to have to spend the weekend in lockup, which I'm glad they didn't expunge or expound. I don't know what word. And it's one of those words upon his time in prison more than they did. Agreed. Cause it could have gone down a very weird path that would have made this movie unwatchable. Yeah. That would have just been a huge wasted scene. A huge so. waste of time and scene for anybody. I'm glad that it wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, I really, the first watch through, I was like, oh God, where is this going? And I'm yeah. glad it didn't go there. Right, right. Um, Chip is now posing as Stephen's lawyer at the little communication station or whatever you want to call it. This is rough. This is very rough. <laughs> um, Stephen asks him what his real name is. It's Larry Tate. Yeah. Obviously, it's not Larry Tate. Right. Um, Chip really, really messes with Stephen. Oh, yeah. Oh, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all my friends in grade school just shouting that. Yeah. Not really understanding the reference. Not really understanding what uh, what Chip was actually doing. You know what I yeah, mean? It's yeah. one of those things. And I think for the longest time, because I hadn't seen the movie, because it was probably one of those movies that my parents were like, no, you're not going to be watching that Maybe one. you shouldn't watch yeah, that. So I didn't get it at all in, in grade school and junior high, but I certainly remember kids screaming it at uh, auditorium conventions and stuff like that while we were at school. Oh, yeah. And uh, Chip doing this is more proof of why we did not need an extended prison scene. Exactly. But uh, Stephen has a legitimate question for Chip. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get me killed. <laughs> I didn't do this to you. You did this to you. Yep. <laughs> he is full on psycho. That's just what that proves to you. Yep. Um, Steven gets out on bail. We don't see any of that stuff. He's just magically out on bail at Rick's work now. Yep. And Rick works at the TV station. If you hadn't figured that out, it took me until my third watch through to really figure out he's working at a TV station. Like I was under the impression that Steven and Rick worked at the same place. I was too. And they do not. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Steven's a real estate lawyer, architect, something like, something architect, like that. Yeah. And Rick is obviously a higher up at a, at a TV studio in town because he's telling people what to do running the production. So right. he must be in charge of what comes up on the screen or something like that. Yeah. We never see him with a camera. So, um, but he and en- uh, Steven enlists the help of Rick, um, to do a little digging into who Chip Douglas or Larry Tate actually is. Yeah. Um, now we get the most cringy part of the whole movie, Stephen's parents' house. <laughs> yep, definitely. Open the door uh, and who's there? Chip is already there because Robin invited him because they went to lunch together. Yeah, yeah. You went to lunch with him? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. You look rested. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Steven threatens to call the police, but Chip has uh, the Polaroid with him from the other night, effectively blackmailing Steven. Which is <laughs> <laughs> a funny line. From, one yeah. of the more funny lines from Steven in this whole movie. Yeah. Um, I think I would have still just gone to gone to the police. Yes, definitely. I think I would have just grabbed him, been like, we're going to the police. I don't. I can deal with this stuff later. There's no way he gave every cop free cable. Exactly. There's got to be at least a couple. Exactly. I think I would be going to the police no matter what. 
Um, I think Robin would probably understand. She, spoiler alert, she under she stayed with him at the end of the movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole family loves Chip. Of course, um, Chip. Chip. Uh, Bob Odenkirk's in this scene uh, playing uh, Stephen's brother, um, which is funny. He's the spe- he must be the speech pathologist. Yep. yep he must be. Funny that they don't talk about that one bit. There Not was opportunity to talk about right. it. Right. But uh, like, how at, are them tapes coming or something? Just give him some little line, a throwaway line. Yeah. How did you like the tapes? Yeah. Right. That that's what it should have been. Something like that. Um. Okay. Here we go. Uh, porno password. <laughs> <laughs> um. Stephen does not want to play, and I would not want to either. No. <laughs> With your parents <laughs> and Chip. <laughs> And Robin? Uh, and you're partnered with your mother. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> they do get one, though. Center. 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 <laughs> Nipple. <laughs> oh. Which is funny. Um, and then, of course, we all know what the last clue was going to be. Yes. To quote Seinfeld, Dolores. <laughs> Do you remember that episode of Seinfeld? I did not watch he, Seinfeld. He didn't know the name of one of his uh, women he was dating, and she told him in one of the dates that her childhood was rough because her name rhymes with a female body part. And he guessed Mulva <laughs> <laughs> and Dolores, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> This definitely pushes pushes Steven over the edge, and it results in Steven punching Chip, which is exactly what Chip wanted. Right. And Steven definitely looks like the crazy one now. Yes. <laughs> definitely does. What, is it, what does he say? I went to lunch with Robin, and she showed me the birthmark on her left shoulder. <laughs> Very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the scene ends with uh, uh, Chip leaving hoping his neurologist is going to say he's okay. Right, we'll right. stumble there at the end, just playing it up, I'm sure. Uh, but now we are at Steven's office, and the video ripping his boss has been sent to the entire company. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. That was some high-quality video for a computer for 1996. I yeah, feel like there would have been about, in that video, there should have been about eight pixels. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's about all it Seriously. should have been in 1996. But I guess it had to look good on screen. So I don't know how they managed that, but and they did. how was uh, Jim Curry good at editing and all that stuff to do that video? Yeah, that was cable some guy. I get it, seriously complicated stuff in 1996. Yeah. So you had to know how to probably code, and I did not. Yeah. I do not. <laughs> uh, but that video ripping his boss, man. Hair plugs, hair plugs, utterly worthless, utterly worthless. Hair plugs, <laughs> hair, hair plugs. <laughs> yeah. So Steven gets fired, obviously. obviously. So is his boss that dude from those progressive commercials? Like he would be like telling people what to do insurance commercials. Oh my gosh. Is yeah. that him? I think that is I him. think it is him too. I didn't look it up. Some scenes would be like, it's definitely him. Other times would be like, I don't think it's him. Yeah, now that you say it, I'm picturing the guy. It's it. progressive, I, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to maybe research that. I yeah. probably won't, so... Um, Steven gets fired. He's down in that uh, parking garage, and it's a full-on horror flick at this point. Yeah. Very funny stuff. And he gets into his uh, Jeep Cherokee, just chucks everything in there, and he's out of there. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was thinking on a technical standpoint, how do you think they got all those alarms 
and headlights to go off altogether. Like I was the only way I could think of it. They would have had to have wired every one of those cars together to yeah. a single switch. Right. Cause it was all in unison and all, you know, it turned off in unison, turned on in unison. So yeah. I don't know how they did that. That would have been an interesting behind the scenes. Uh, speaking of behind the scenes, there was none of that on this DVD that I bought off of uh, Amazon. It was uh, printed in Mexico, and it looks like it was recorded off of a potato. <laughs> it's pretty, really? It's pretty bad. So it's you don't have the real DVD? I don't know if it's the real DVD. I, I think it's definitely a rip of maybe the theatrical release. Okay. It it's, does your, not look good. Your case looks legitimate. It does, but oh. that's about it. <laughs> Uh, boy, but, uh, at Steven's apartment now, uh, he made it all the way home without incident, I guess. Um, we find out that there is a long list of fake names pulled from TV shows that were used by recently fired cable guys because the phone's ringing when he gets back to his apartment and it's Rick with some information finally. So Chip has used Jean-Luc Picard, which I'm a fan of. And George Jetson, yep. among a couple other names, which is very funny that anybody would fall for George Jetson or Jean-Luc Picard. Like, Seriously. <laughs> he doesn't even work for the cable company. Dun, 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 dun. No one saw that coming. No one saw that coming. But we also get to find out that the jurors in the Sam Sweet trial, trial are close to a verdict. Um. Which Stephen falls asleep while watching court TV, which I know I did in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thinking of him being the cable guy and he has this van, but he doesn't work for the cable company. Is that a, he got fired and they didn't want to mess with him and let him keep the van? Or did he trick out his van into making it a cable van? I bet... I bet it's his van that he was proud to bring to the cable company when he actually worked there. That makes sense. Or, more plausibly, he stole it, and like you said, nobody wanted to mess with him because yeah. he's a nut. Keep it. <laughs> just keep it. Just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Steven's nightmare was kind of an interesting scene. Um, I guess, for me, the only reason this scene's in the movie is to get more physical comedy out of, uh, yeah. out of Jim Carrey. I like it. Yeah, it's funny. Those uh, yellow contacts and the black light and stuff. Yeah. It's all creepy and funny. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy it. Uh, I just want to hang out. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only to be Stephen was awake, awoken by an actual call from Chip. <laughs> Chip. <laughs> Chip. And then Stephen confronts Chip over the phone. You're not even a real cable guy. Hold on a second. I've got a call waiting. <laughs> Stephen doesn't interrupt him. No, <laughs> just a funny gag. Boop, funny. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. And that spider that crawls across his face. Yeah. Where do you think he was? Like underneath his. Wait, he lives in an apartment. He does. Doesn't mean that there isn't anything that could be underneath his. I guess because I was imagining he was like under his floorboards or something in there. I thought floorboards or in an air vent, like how he came out of the one in Robin's apartment. Yeah, probably in an air vent. Yeah. In in Steven's apartment? Oh, uh, yeah. You think so? I, I think, think so, so, too. Because yeah. he doesn't, at the end of the phone call, he just says click. He doesn't yeah. actually yeah. <laughs> click. Click. <laughs> uh, but Steven just wants to work something out with Chip while he's on the phone. He just wants to work something out, yeah. right? And, uh, but it turns out uh, Chip's meeting a lady friend, Robin. And the race is on to Robin's apartment. Uh, Chip beats him there. Uh, so at Robin's apartment, Stephen learns that Chip has taken Robin for a ride on the information superhighway. 
Uh, so we know exactly where he's going. Yeah. Satellite dish. Um, would that satellite dish actually fill up with water like that? I can't imagine it would. I can't imagine it would either. There's no way they would design it. Like exactly. Because the whole idea of the satellite dish is that cone shape, that half sphere, reflects the radio waves coming from satellites up to the center point, right? Right. So that's the receiver that then conducts the signal to wherever you need it to go. If there's water in the bo- water in the bottom, it's going to send those signals every which right. way, every direction. Right. It's not going to work. Exactly. So I don't think that water is supposed to be that. there, but it made sense for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> Chip gives Robin that same pitch that he gave Stephen, but uh, Robin wants to go home, rightly so, right. for her own safety. And she probably said, just to maybe try to play on Chip's sympathies, uh, I'm c- concerned about Steven, right? Yeah. Maybe to play on Chip's sympathies. I don't know. But she obviously doesn't want to be there. It's pouring rain. They look freezing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't want to be there either. Right. Um, Steven arrives at the satellite dish. He parked like a football field away from the entrance, which I don't get, but he did it anyway. Yeah. So whatever. Um, he gets there to the satellite dish and Robin's tied up hanging from the air and acting surprisingly calm for being hung 20, 30 feet in the air. Way too calm. (laughs) Come on, Leslie. Yeah. Come on, Leslie. (laughs) And then of course she says, Steven, watch out. Yes, Steven, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Chip attacks Steven by dunking him in the pool and that's been created in the satellite dish. But Steven comes up swinging and knocks that lisp right out of him, which, you know, knocks his jaw back into place. Because if you can see when he does that, Terry's not jutting his jaw anymore. So knocks that jaw. But he hits him again and knocks that jaw right back out of there. So it's sort of like that old Looney Tune thing where you knock one of somebody in the head and they have amnesia. And then you knock him again and they don't have amnesia. So that's a funny little Looney Tune type gag that I appreciate in this movie. Anytime you can work classic slapstick comedy into something i'm gonna laugh at it every time for sure it's a joke i've seen a million times but it's funny every time right and of course chip says you son of a (laughs) (laughs) chip knocks him out with a headbutt dang dude like (laughs) dang (laughs) Dang. Uh, by the time steven comes to the rain has stopped and we hear sirens in the distance and chip is forcing robin to climb up that satellite tower Uh, delusional as ever chip thinks he needs danger music so he provides his own (laughs) (laughs) which i got a good kick out of i thought that was funny steven makes quite the leap to that scaffolding yes he does (laughs) then he looks down and like and he was soaked too a good grip man good grip on your part yeah (laughs) whoa nice jump (laughs) spider-man now they're at the top of the tower Chip's weapon of choice is a staple gun. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> just shooting those staples down, which is very, very funny to me. Um, Chip is just winging it. He's totally caught up in his delusion at this point. Um, he even says, pretty neat way to end a movie, <laughs> which is, you know, fourth wall breaking. Just, you know, there's a lot of this in this last 10 minutes where it's like direct movie lines, TV lines, you know, just yeah. paying homage to everything that all those Gen Xers grew up with. Because this is, a very Generation X movie. Yeah. It was made with Gen X in mind, and which makes sense because Stiller is a prominent Gen Xer, you know. Yeah. So yeah. why wouldn't he use all this stuff to to draw from in his life? So makes a lot of sense. Um, Chip blames his mother for absolutely everything. Yeah, I learned the facts of life from the facts of life. <laughs> 
<laughs> and when Chip drops that staple gun over the edge, he gets the idea that it's probably time to end it all. Yeah. Uh, Steven tries to convince him otherwise. Uh, we'll get a Heineken. I'm not thirsty anymore. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Steven manages to grab Chip. I had flashbacks to Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell would have been proud. <laughs> uh, he's hanging there. Um, I feel like the weight of Jim Carrey, even though, you know, Steven's kind of wedged with the pole right at his shoulder. Probably would have just ripped him straight down into there, too. For the sure. They're both time. wet. There's just no way. Exactly. Um, you're not going anywhere. It's okay. I understand my purpose now. You don't do don't do this. You just need help. We all get lonely. Lonely. Yeah, but I get really lonely. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's definitely a moment of clarity from Chip about his situation. He knows that he's a nutcase. Oh, yeah. Like, when you're about to die, I bet that stuff becomes very clear. Yes, yes. <laughs> You'll be fine. I'll be your friend. Just come up. No, it's too late for me. There's a lot of little cable boys and girls out there that still have a chance. Don't you understand, Stephen? Somebody has to kill the babysitter. <laughs> and then he lets go. Which, is that a reference to Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead starring Christina Applegate? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I didn't not know sure what either. that was from. I'm not sure either. Um, and he lets go. Um, Chip lets go just in time to smash into that satellite cone and completely ruin the verdict of the Sam Sweet trial. Of course. Yeah, of course his landing disrupts the signal. What else would have happened, right? Yeah. That's a really good, that's a twist, right? You don't necessarily see that coming. Oh, for sure. It's a good twist. And you are at least remotely invested in finding out the verdict. Yeah, Because right. it's hilarious. Yes. Because it's been stiller. And then sure enough, not only does the signal go out, Chip doesn't even get hurt. Doesn't even get hurt. <laughs> he would have been dead. Yeah. Chip would have been dead. Would have been dead. <laughs> yeah. Chip not dead, even though he should be. That's what <laughs> I had written down. Uh, with Chip on a stretcher, Stephen and Robin stop him and ask him what his name actually is. You still want to know? <laughs> it's Ricardo. Ricky, Ricky Ricardo. Ricardo. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, that was a terrible Ricky Ricardo impression, but yeah. But Jim Carrey's was good. It was very good. And Chip <laughs> is truly a nutcase. Oh, yeah. So, as the movie ends, we get a kiss between Stephen and Robin. Their love has never been stronger. <laughs> it hasn't had a lot of competition, but no. yes, it has never been stronger. And the helicopter is pulling away. The tech on board says to Chip, Hang in there, pal. You're going to make it, buddy. With a psychotic look on his face. Psychotic look, the way he oh, turns yeah. his face. He <laughs> yeah. kind of reminded me of the way E.T. looked in E.T. for some <laughs> reason. I don't know. That was what popped into my head. Uh, Chip turns to him and says, Hey, I'm really your buddy? Yeah, sure you are. And the look on Chip's face speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Setting it up for the sequel. Chip has learned nothing. He no. has a personality disorder. Oh, yeah. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Travis. I loved the way that movie ended. I really yeah. did. I really liked the way that movie ended really quite a good. bit. Um. That was good. That was great. That was a good breakdown. I'm. I feel pretty good about that breakdown. Oh yeah. So, we used to do overall impressions. Now we're doing final opinions. Final opinions. Did you like it, Trav? Yes, I do like the movie. Um, having not seen it in forever, 
before we did our watches, I thought of this movie as a really cringy movie. But now watching it, I don't think it's cringy because of Jim Carrey, oddly enough. I really have a problem with Matthew Broderick being such a pansy in this movie. Ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. So, yes, Jim Carrey, of course, makes the movie. I like the big names that are in this movie, and it's funny. But, yeah, I just I can't get behind Matthew Broderick. No, which is unfortunate because he was, I mean, his 80s stuff is amazing. Love that 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, my turn? Your turn. Okay. Did I like it? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, it's a perfectly serviceable 90-minute comedy. Yes. Right? Um, as a matter of fact, I miss 90-minute comedies. Agreed. I was able to watch this movie. I watched it this morning. I started it at 8.30. It was done before 11 o'clock. Yeah. Like, that's insane. I was like, oh, I'm wondering when, what time it is. 10.45? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, right. So I, I super-duper appreciate a 90-minute comedy. I think it's... The perfect length for a comedy, especially comedy like this one. 100%. Um, cringe comedy for me is not my bag. Same. It's just not my bag. Yeah. Um, but it is for Ben Stiller. Yeah, that that's is true. That's his true. bag. That's what he likes to do is cringe comedy. Uh, Matthew Broderick gave me some big time Meet the Parents vibes. Yes. That's what it gave me was Meet the Parents vibes, especially when he was at his parents. Yeah. Like that yeah. could have been pulled from any of those Meet the Parents, Meet the pockers or the little fuckers <laughs> <laughs> but also because this movie is considered a dark comedy slash a thriller i don't think it did either terribly well agreed I, I wish stiller would have chosen one more than the other whether it would have been more thriller or more uh, comedy just yeah. do like an 80 20 yeah instead of a 50 50 yes kind of commit to one of the two Agreed. I would have chosen to commit more towards the comedy. Yes. Had a couple of more like overt gags. Because the only stuff that was like you knew was funny was the Jim Carrey uh, physical stuff. Like yeah. you know that's funny. Right. All the rest of the, the stuff. The basketball is, scene yes. and the karaoke scene. Yes. Yes. All the rest of the jokes usually that involve Matthew Broderick are much more like, yes, that's funny. Yes. That is where we laugh. <laughs> you know, not to say that that's bad. You, it's okay to think about comedy and not laugh out loud at it. Yeah, true. you know, but that's that's more of what that stuff was. So, not a fifty-fifty blend should have been an 90-10, any combination more than fifty-fifty. Agreed. Um, but Jim Carrey, on the other hand, was great. Great. Um, we get to see some of the first shimmerings of his acting range, um, aspects of his ability that would be fleshed out more in later movies like Truman Show and uh, Man on the Moon. Just that more serious, deadpan, like. You, you get to see the the blossoming of more than just, oh, yuck, I'm Jim Carrey. Oh, right, oh, right, oh. right. You know, you get to see that, which is, I appreciate. Because Jim Carrey should be appreciated. He's got a great range. Oh, yeah. He's got a great range. Um, And, you know, any excuse to have Jim Carrey on the screen for me was great. Um, I found myself in this movie just waiting for him to be back when he wasn't there. 100%. Just, just waiting for Chip to be back. Bring, couldn't bring couldn't agree more. Yeah, any just... Uh, Steven scenes with Robin is, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for chip, chip, chip. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim is the best part of the movie for me, plain and simple. He's, he's the best part of the movie. He's the reason to watch this movie for me. So yes, I laughed, I cringed and I love Jim Carrey. Um, he really saved the movie for me. Uh, besides Carrie, I also like the Sam sweet trial. Uh, that B plot was great. I've said that a couple of times. 
Stiller should make a, a loose sequel to this movie, and it should be centered around that trial. That would be hilarious. Just uh, just about the trial, about the character, even a little bit before, a little bit after the verdict, you know? Or you could even have the movie end the same way, yeah. with the cable being knocked out, and so we would still never know the verdict. Right, right. I think that would be kind of cool. So, for me, solid B-. minus. I agree with that. Solid B-. minus. B-. minus. B-, minus, which... I still liked the movie. Definitely liked the movie. It's not and a bad movie. Not at all. And Man Bear Pig said this is one of his favorite underrated Jim Carrey movies. So exactly. yes, Jim Carrey was amazing in mm-hmm. this. It's worth a watch if you love Jim Carrey. And before we started this podcast, you mentioned, and it was uh, very smart on your part, um, this would have been a movie we would have gotten to, but it, right. w- it would not have been anytime soon. Right. Yeah. So, it, so I'm happy to get any topic ex- exactly. ideas, 100%. So exactly. See? send more in, people. Yep. If you email it, it will be recorded. Yes, it will. If you email, we you will record. Email it. <laughs> then we'll be all over it like a lampshade. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Let's assign some homework, Trav. Let's do it. So we're going to dip our toes back into the Nicktoon area of life. Uh, that show was received really well. People seem to like it, so we're going to hit it up again. Um, we're going to talk about three separate shows again, and guess what? We're doing Rocco's Modern Life, Angry Beavers, and Ren and Stimpy. Can't go wrong with those three. No, you can't. So we're going to do it maybe a little bit different. We're only going to do part episodes because we are choosing Halloween episodes. Uh, so for Rocco's Modern Life, we're going to do Sugar Frosted Frights. And that was October 31st, 1995. It's season three, episode 3A. So we're not doing 3B, we're just doing 3A. And how cool is that that it came out on Halloween? Yeah, that would have been awesome, right? super cool. Um, Probably watched it before I went trick-or-treating. Probably (laughs) watched it. Uh, Animation direction on that one was by Alan Smart. It was written by Martin Olson and directed and storyboarded by Doug Lawrence. Uh, who is Filbert's voice and who is Plankton's voice. So you'll remember that from uh, the previous episode. And in this one, Rocco, Hef, and Filbert go trick-or-treating. Boom. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect Halloween episode. So season three, episode 3A, Sugar Frosted Frights. All those S's also. Uh, So we're going to do Angry Beavers after that one. And this one's called The Day the World Got Really Screwed Up. October 26th, 1998, in Season 2, Episode 10. This one is a 30-minute special, so it will be longer than the uh, Ren and Stimpy or Rocco's Modern Life episode, but it'll be cool to do a 30-minute episode. Um, animation direction was by Patty Shinagawa. Uh, written by Mitch Schauer, storyboard by Mitch Schauer, John Statema, and Michael R. Gerard. Norbin Dag go trick-or-treating and happened to go to a house of their favorite movie star, Oxnard Montalvo. <laughs> that was the name I was trying to think of in that episode. Yep. Oh, well. And then lastly, but definitely not leastly, I don't think that's a word, uh, <laughs> Ren and, the Ren and Stimpy show, Haunted House, uh, and that was uh, November 21st, 1992. This isn't a true Halloween episode, but... It would have been released around Halloween. The There was no October episode in 1992 for Ren and Stimpy. So this November 21st was the closest episode to Halloween. Sure. So it's a little late, but it's still a haunted house themed episode. Serves its purpose. Yes. And to pull directly from the description for this episode, Ren and Stimpy kill 11 minutes in this one by checking out a haunted house. There <laughs> so we go. There you go. Uh, yes. And then, you know, 
we also want to talk a spooky game in the next episode. And we're going to get your hands on, if you can, emulation, buy it, whatever. There's plenty of copies out this out of this out there to buy. But we're going to do Ghosts and Goblins on the NES. So, like I said, we want to talk a spooky game. Fits the theme. And I happen to own it already. So, Bada-bing. makes things pretty easy on my end. Yes. Um, but while we're on the topic of video games, Trav and I want to try to do something a little bit different. So in a bid to provide you guys with more content, like just to get more stuff out there, because I know we release every two weeks. So every other Monday, there's no episode and I'm sure you're all fiending for one. So oh, definitely. <laughs> why not try to provide more content? There we go. Um, so we're going to start doing kind of a long-term homework assignment to, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, in the form of video games. So it's going to kind of go like this. We're going to assign a video game. You're going to have four weeks or two episodes to get your hands on said game and play it, whether you want to find and buy it, whether you want to play it on an emulator, or simply just watch gameplay uh, clips on YouTube. I mean, whatever works for you, just so you can at least experience the game in some way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we're going to release that episode when we record it on an off Monday. So occasionally... We'll have three episodes in a row, three weeks in a row. I think that'll be fun. It'll be super fun. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be kind of quick hitters, 30 to 45-minute episodes. You're not going to get nearly two-hour uh, two hour episodes like we've been doing recently. No, 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 no. So not it, on one single video game. No, definitely not on one single video game. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to do it. Um, I think we're going to call it Video Game Spotlight. Trav and I kind of threw that around a little bit here. So maybe it'll be something named something different, but I think we're going to call it Video Game Spotlight. That works. Uh, so your first long-term homework assignment is going to be Kirby Superstar for March 21st, 1996. Perfect. Yeah. So get your hands on it. Um, by December, we'll probably have that one released. Probably. We'll, we'll, give, you a, we'll give you an episode warning. Yeah. An episode yeah. before. We'll say, hey, we're releasing it. So. You ready? You ready? Um, I am ready for the outro. If you are, Trav. I'm ready. Let's get into these emails. So, our first email comes from Ben, a.k.a. the Ben Crastinator. (laughs) Says, in the movie Dumb and Dumber, in the scene when Lloyd lights his fart with the lighter, what is the full joke Lloyd tells? The movie only shows the punchline. So he says, do you love me? And she says, no, but that's a real great ski mask. And they all die laughing hysterically. (laughs) But I always wanted to know if there was more to it. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Super entertaining all the way around. Thank you, Ben Crastinator. Let's get to it. Well, first off, Ben, you are very welcome. And thank you for emailing us. Thank you. Uh, We love emails and full full transparency here. Ben is a friend of the show. So... Thank you, Ben, for emailing us. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Um, so I found an answer to this. I went to Reddit to find it. So, yeah, I, I got it off Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but firstly, that joke, and I believe we mentioned it in the actual podcast, has always come off to me as a tasteless rape joke. Yes. That's how it's always come off to me. Yeah. But honestly, the Reddit forum that I checked out, People weren't so sure. There was a few other explanations for what that, uh, what that uh, punchline is, or what it, 
what purpose it serves in the movie. So to answer your question quickly, there is no setup to that joke. You're right. It's just a punchline. Yeah. But the reason it's just a punchline, I found some information on what it could be. Uh, the first one is that it's a MacGuffin. So a MacGuffin is a movie term that is, I'm just going to read it verbatim, an object or device in a movie or a book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot, like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that's kind of what this is. Um, it's, it might not be traditionally a MacGuffin, uh, but it does show that Lloyd is on top of his game and in, in control of the room. And you could say that it triggers the rest of the craziness that happens in the scene. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one explanation. Um, others said that it's something called the orphaned punchline trope, which is something that I had never heard of. No. And it's some new information that's been brought to me and thinking about it after I've read this. I'm like, yeah, that happens a lot in movies and TV. Um, in movies and TV, we don't often get to hear the whole joke. It's usually only the setup or the punchline. And it's most often the punchline. It allows us as the viewer to just cut to the good part and see the reaction of everybody in the room, in the scene, to see what's going on instead of hearing the whole joke and potentially not getting it, potentially not agreeing with the humor. Right. So you just get to see the reaction, whether it's roaring laughter like in Dumb and Dumber or just crickets, you know, and everybody hated the joke. Yeah. So this convention in TV and movies can be a way, I'm not necessarily saying this is, although it seems the most plausible thing, I think, can be a way to slide something past censors. Even if you only, even if it's only to tell, uh, even if you only tell the punchline, excuse me, even if you only tell the punchline, the setup could be anything, even the setup to a rape joke. Right. So, no, there's no setup. It's open to interpretation. I think the orphan punchline trope is the best explanation for it. Yeah. And it seems to be one of those things that they may have tried to slide past the censors. Right. Because a rape joke is not going to get you a PG-13 rating. No, it is not. <laughs> so I hope that answered the question for you, Ben. I mean, I got it from Reddit, so... <laughs> so, next email. <laughs> Thanks again, Ben. Yes, thank you. So, next email comes from Flameboy107. Wants to know, if you could be one video game character, who would it be? Hmm. Hmm. I could be one video game character. And you uh, don't get to cheat and pick a Dragon Ball Z game and be <laughs> Vegito, okay? Because that's cheating. Um, 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 I'm going to go with Kirby because he's loved by so many people. Everybody loves Kirby. And you can absorb a whole bunch of powers. Yeah, the powers. That's a very good point. I was just going with the pure adoration aspect of it. <laughs> and, f and flying. And flying. So Kirby's my answer. Kirby's a good answer. So I picked Mario. That's uh, a great answer. I mean, A, you got a sick mustache. <laughs> B, you can grab flowers and launch fireballs. How cool is that? And then C, every time when fall comes around, you're able to fly. So how cool is that? <laughs> That's amazing. Mario is my pick. So our next email comes from, what did you do to my mom? Wants to know, how did you get around town as a kid? Bicycle, rollerblade, skateboard, or scooter? <laughs> uh, bicycle, 99% of the time. Yep. Um, rollerblades, about 1% of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was about it. I had a skateboard. I don't skateboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bicycle, same. 99% right. of the time. Rollerblades, 1% uh, of the time. Yep. 
once I got to high school, I started hanging out with some skateboarders. I got a skateboard. I liked it, but I never got good. So <laughs> I didn't really use that to get from point A to point B. And anyone who owned a scooter was dumb. <laughs> so, no scooters. Uh, you know, I traded in. I shouldn't say traded in. I grew out of my BMX, or not my BMX bike, my mountain bike that I had up until I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And then I got a Schwinn BMX bike because I wanted a BMX bike because yeah. they're fun and all that stuff. It was kind of a a poor choice yeah. because Mankato's hilly. Yes. And yeah. if you want to go across town, you're going down and then up a very large hill at some point. Yes. And BMX bikes aren't known for their gears. They are not known for their gears. <laughs> I did a lot of walking next to my bike up uh, Main Street Hill. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, next question here comes from, you might be a redneck wants to know what was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon that you remember getting excited for every week? So this one's kind of off the board, but it was the Beetlejuice cartoon. Oh, nice. I absolutely love that cartoon. And it was one that my father hated. He's like, it's all puns. It's all puns. <laughs> I hate the show. And I'm like, but I love this Beetlejuice cartoon. But I, I love it. it. That was one that I really, I remember getting up for to make sure that I saw it. But nice. uh, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is always uh, a go-to, especially when I was younger. For sure. Um, Thundercats when I was younger, because I was, I mean, when I was probably five, six, seven years old, that was another one that I enjoyed a lot. Um, and then let me see what else. Trying to think what else. Pee-wee's Playhouse, I watched that one pretty religiously too while it was on the air because, you know, Pee-wee got kicked off the air for yeah. Touchy Selfie. We've talked about we that We talked about that. <laughs> but it was really just get up as early as I could, especially you know, when you're that 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year old. Yep, get yep. up as early as I could so I didn't miss any cartoons. And I knew I was up too early if Zoobly Zoo was still on. Did Zoobly you, Zoo. Did you ever watch Zoo? Never heard Zoobly of it. Zoo. <laughs> Zoobly zoo. Oh man, that is cracking some nostalgic whips on these <laughs> listeners right now. I hope somebody else remembers Zoobly Zoo because that, oh boy, that was quite the show. <laughs> First person to email us saying they remember Zoobly Zoo is going to get an air high five through the podcast. I love and it. And a shout out. Yep. We'll uh, say your full name and social security number <laughs> over the air. And then we'll go Zoobly Zoo. <laughs> uh, so the one I, there's plenty. I'll, I like a lot of the ones Drew said it. Beetlejuice, definitely bringing back some memories. But I put Pokemon. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, every Saturday, super stoked to see where Pokemon was going. I mean, that hits you, like, That hits perfectly. me in the super deep <laughs> Dragon Ball Z Pokemon nostalgic feels. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Uh, Pokemon is still a huge part of my life. All right, next email here <laughs> is one of the knights who say, Nick. Wants to know, is there any non-80s and 90s content that just missed the cut that you wish you could do an episode on? <sighs> Probably the sequels to the Matrix movies. Yep. Uh, yep. They just missed the cut. I'm trying to think what else early 2000s stuff that I absolutely love. I mean, SpongeBob made the cut for 90s, just barely 1999. But mm -hmm. that first season, while very strong, the second, third, fourth seasons are much better to me. Yep. Um, man, um, I mean, television, I'm trying to think of some television shows that I was really into in the 2000s. I mean, some of the video game stuff in the 2000s, like all that PS2 stuff that oh, we're not yeah. going to be able to talk about. That's true. I mean, Xbox 360 stuff that we're not going to be able to talk about. 
all of that stuff is disappointing, especially PlayStation 2 stuff. Yeah, like, PS2 2000. Yeah, that's just, just... Come on. That's just too bad, because that was a very large part of my childhood, was that very, PlayStation 2. Very, large part. I guess I would have liked to have talked more about probably 2000s wrestling, because that's probably Ooh, yes. when I watched it the most, was in the 2000s. Um... Other than that, uh, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Some good stuff, though. But, uh, yeah, I put Monty Python in the Holy Grail. Oh, because 78? 78. Yeah. Missed the cut. X-Men, I think, is 2000. Oh, so yes, So we're not going to yes. be able to do X-Men. We'll do the X-Men animated series, though, for oh, sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm pretty bummed we can't at least do the first movie for that. But yeah. that's also, two, I think it's 2000 or 2001. And then I think I mentioned this in a different one, but Jaws. I like Jaws, and well, that's also 78, I yeah. believe. So. Well, I didn't think of going the other direction. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, only yeah. thought of going into the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I could, I would love to see stuff. I would love to have done stuff like Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, any yeah. of that Mel Brooks stuff. Blazing it would have been great. Doing any type of Looney Tunes cartoons, like classic Looney Tunes cartoons, Very that true. would be amazing to be able to do. The only way we'll sneak that in was Space Jam. Yep, Space Jam, which I tried to get my daughter to watch today. No interest. No interest. I, tried to I don't con- like basketball, Dad. <laughs> I tried to convince her. I was like, Bill Murray's in it. He wears a Saints hat. Come on. <laughs> She's like, I don't care. <laughs> I can't give a poop. <laughs> All right, and the last email here comes from Love Me Some Overdue Homework wants to know, what was your guys' favorite episode to record so far? Top Gun? Bar none? Bar none, Top Gun! Same as me. Oh, man, Top Gun was just a fun episode for me, especially just because I had never seen it, and, you know, it's kind of the epitome of this podcast, and I love it. I'm so excited to watch that again with Lauren when I get her caught up on the podcast eventually here. Um, But, yeah, Top Gun. I will say one of my favorite segments that we've done is the best and worst lines of Batman. Any, yes. Anytime I can get Drew to do some Arnold. <laughs> and it was just fun. And that's the chip that we keep talking about. Chip. Chip. Uh, I haven't. We haven't obviously stopped recording this. I haven't edited it. I haven't done anything like that to this episode. But as I'm feeling right now. I think this has been a very good episode. Oh man. This has been a really fun episode. I think it's been a very good episode. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so that wraps up emails. Don't forget to do your homework, everybody. We're doing them Halloween Nicktoons. And then as we mentioned before, we appreciate all the emails that we're getting and we need more. So email us at overdue homework podcast at gmail.com. Of course, check us out on Twitter at overdue homework and the Instagram at overdue homework podcast. And here we are as always. Don't forget to tune into the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.